It's going to work this morning because last week the reason it didn't work, it was unplugged. <laughs> it was flat, flat unplugged. So things don't work when they're not plugged in. Isn't that right? <laughs> You're not plugged in, you ain't going to work. Okay. Um, Psalm 145, I want to read one verse. Now, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you this morning, I might just really offend somebody in here. But I didn't mean to. Just tell you right up front, I didn't mean to offend you. <laughs> uh, but I, I watched this movie. I, if you're against movies, okay, get over it. Because I have a feeling some of y'all are watching movies in this room. But I watched this movie this week called Bruce Almighty. And I feel like God really spoke to me in that movie. Yeah. And I think it really showed some, I mean, there were some things in it. You could have gone too far. With, but there were some things I feel like God was really trying to communicate to people in that movie. I, I really do, about God, about who God is, and about us, and how we are. And, and, and it just, I mean, I just feel like God was really trying to speak to us through Hollywood. And I was hearing some things He was saying. So I wanted to share a few things. Uh, not necessarily from the movie, but things that really God just really just really struck me when I was watching the movie. The first thing I want to do is read this Psalm 145, verse 18. It says, The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. He's near to all who call upon Him in truth. And, okay, here's something from the movie that really struck me towards the end of the movie. You know, Bruce, who was a guy that God had sort of let him use his power in the city of Buffalo for a few few weeks and totally totally made a big mess uh, and lost the very thing that meant the most to him was this girl he wanted to marry and was in love with and just totally destroyed their relationship. You know, he had the power of God and he was doing what he wanted to do and he messed up. But he wound up getting run over by a truck and wound up up in heaven with God and God was Morgan Freeman, this black guy. That was pretty cool. Oh, Morgan. He was a great God on that movie, I thought. <laughs> Dressed up in his white suit. But oh, uh, God, in the voice of Morgan Free Freeman, told, oh, uh, what was that guy in that movie? Jim Carrey. He said, pray. Pray to me. And he prayed this prayer. Uh, Lord, you know, take care of the poor Feed a hungry, let there be peace on earth. That was his prayer. And God said, well, that was a good prayer if you miss America. <laughs> That's what he said to him. I thought it was pretty good. He said, now really pray. Pray what's really in you. That's what he said to him. Pray what's really in you. And he prayed for this woman. And really prayed a prayer, a very unselfish prayer, that that woman would be loved like he loves her, and see as he sees her, whether it was him or somebody else. That's just what he wanted. It was a total God love that he prayed. Um, and that was really, to me, that was powerful. And that was, sort of, that was the end of the movie, is this guy came to this place of, after going through the whole movie of just self-seeking and living for himself, uh, and not really the thing that God had played, and lost everything because he lived that way. And that was, to me, that was what the whole movie was talking about. When God invested his power in a man's hand, he destroyed his life and destroyed everything around him. And, and many times I think that's what we do uh, with things and the things that mean the most to us. 
is the things we actually lose and the things we think we want so bad that we go after. Uh, they're just rottenness to us. And, you know, and we lose the things that are most important to us. And I think God, that's why God says to all those who call upon Him in truth, it's like sometimes when we pray to God, it's like He would be saying to us, No, what's really in your heart? What's really there? You know, not what you think you want. You know, in this movie, he wanted to be the anchor man at his work TV show. That was what he wanted. He got it, but he got it in a bad way. It made everybody humiliated. What do you, you know... And God wants us to really be able to really go into ourselves and discover what's really in there that's really right. Not, you know, I want this job and I'm willing to destroy anybody to get it and destroy a, a you know, destroy things to get it. In one part in the movie, he, he pulled the moon down so he could have this romantic moment and it caused tidal waves in other countries and havoc in other countries. And I think a lot of times in our Christian walk, that's what we do with the authority that God's given us and the power that God's given us as Christians is we destroy other lives. And, you know, it's like old Morgan was saying, it's not easy being God. You know, it's a tough job. And God has invested a lot in us. He's invested everything He's got. He's invested in us. And He wants us to use it rightly. He wants us to use it rightly. And I just believe this morning, I think we're looking for something from the Lord that He doesn't really want us to have. Okay? Honestly. Because it's a self-seeking thing. It's, a, it's something for ourselves. And, but there's other things that God's placed right before us that He wants us to have. And if we're not careful... The very thing that would make us the happiest and the very thing that would fulfill us, we are going to drive it away from us. We're going to drive it away from us. And we're going to wind up, you know, in our lives, hurt and hurting because we lived for ourselves and tried to get the things that we wanted and not the things that God placed in us, His desires, the passions that He's put in us. Are y'all with me? I know that sounds pretty serious from a Bruce Almighty movie. But there was a, there was a book, there's a book called Crafted Prayers. It's written by a guy named Graham Cook. And uh, this is something Ken Helter shared out of that book. Actually, I'd heard it before. I think I may have even read some of that book. But there was a, and Graham Cook's in England, and, He's a prophetic guy. And there's a, there was a man in England who was evidently a pretty significant love person in the body of Christ there who had a brain tumor and he was dying. And so someone gathered together, a pretty large group of people to come together and really pray for that man, to pray that God would heal that man. And... All sincere believers, they gather, I think it was maybe over 100 people that came together. I don't remember the exact number. And Graham Cook was one of them. And he got there and he was, he, you know, just couldn't really connect with what was going on. Can you just imagine, you know, it was one of these, you know, Lord, you know, we rebuke this 
tumor in the name of Jesus. We speak, you know, just all the things that we do uh, when we pray. And, and there's nothing wrong with rebuking tumors and speaking, speaking to sickness. I mean, there were things that Jesus did in the Bible. Uh, but he was sitting there thinking, I don't, this, none of this seems like God to me. I don't see God in any of this going on. Although they were, it was all sincere people, you know, really going after God for this person. It wasn't they weren't being bad. It was just, just wasn't God. And he felt like the Lord said, I want you to pick out the people in here who are not praying. And there were like 30 people in there that were just sitting there quietly. And the Lord said, you get them 30 people together and find out how to pray for this man. And so they got those 30 people together and they said, let's ask the Lord how to pray for this man. Let's just be quiet before the Lord and listen to what the Holy Spirit may say and let's, let's write it down and let's develop a prayer that we can pray for this man. And they did. And, you know, they got the prayer. Many of the people got the same thing, same words, same phrases. So they wrote it all down, prayed it, actually prayed it onto a cassette tape, took the cassette tape to the man who was in the hospital with this tumor that was killing him and let him listen to it every day, this prayer. It was, an, it was a crafted prayer. It was a prayer inspired by God. It was God's prayer. It wasn't man's prayer that, well, we take this out of the Bible, this formula, and pray it, you know, because Jesus, you know, spoke to the sickness, and we're going to speak to the sickness in our presumptuous attitude. And then within a month, the man was completely healed, totally healed. In fact, Graham Cook, you know, he knew God was going home so much, he went to the guy and said, you need to get a brain scan. And the guy said, I can't. I've already had nine. And every time, you know, I, you know, nine, I'm believing God it's going to be gone. Did that nine times, and every time he'd still have that tumor. And then Graham said, I'll pay for this one. I'll pay for your tenth. I went in there and there was no tumor. It was completely gone, completely healed. Completely healed. And what I felt, you know, I felt like God was really trying to speak you know, that we just get going down our road sometimes in our lives and say things and do things thinking, oh, it's God, it's God that we do this. And God, we haven't even given God a chance to speak to us. You understand what I'm saying to you? It's just, just a powerful thing. Well, this is, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Um, in Ephesians, this is what the Lord told me a couple months ago. He said to me this one day. He said, there's two prayers that are in the Bible that are real important right now. Uh, and I thought he was just talking about my personal life. He said, they're both in Ephesians. They're Paul's prayers in Ephesians. Um, but then I was just, after Ken Helser shared that, I talked to him about it. I was talking to him. He said, yeah. He said, and there's two powerful prayers. And he mentioned them. I said, the Lord told me two months ago those, those prayers are real important. And he said, he just told me that last week. You know, in other words, these prayers are not just important right now for me. But they're important for us, the body of Christ. Two, there's two prayers. And they're powerful prayers. And, and this is what I feel this morning, okay? This is what I feel. I feel like these prayers, I want you to get this. These prayers are not formless, okay? That we, oh, I'm going to go pray this prayer. <laughs> Father, give me the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. <laughs> I do that yesterday, this morning. Father, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. 
And I do that every day for 30 days. And I'm going to have the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. You can pray that. But what I see, I see they're like the framing of a house. Paul gave us a framework to pray. And God really wants us to build a house around that framework. And that house may look a little bit different every time you build it. You see what I'm saying? You know, just like every time you speak in this microphone, it sounds a little different. (laughs) But with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can pray prayers that are powerful, that are impacting, that God answers. You got that? So I'm not trying to give you a formula. But I am trying to tell you something. These prayers are important right now. And if we, by, by the Spirit of God, will pray these prayers, God will answer these prayers for sure. And I've been praying them for a while. And I'm seeing answer to these prayers, okay? And there's five things in this prayer. There's five principles about the kingdom of God. And this, this is what they are. One of them is thankfulness. One of them is wisdom and revelation. One of them is the surety of God's calling on our lives. One of them is the value of God's inheritance in us. And one of them is God's power for us. That's those five things that are in this prayer. And what I want to do, I just want to run through these things and just sort of help you erect a frame. But really, if that's all you do today is just erect this frame, and you walk out of here and pick up your Bible in the morning and start praying that prayer, you haven't really gotten what I'm trying to tell you this morning because you've got to build something. You've got to make these prayers the home. You've got to make them in the house. You've got to furnish the house. You've got to make it into a home yourself. Or it's just going to be a bunch of people shouting out something that's really meaningless and doesn't affect anything. Are you all with me? All right, the first one is thankfulness, okay? Here's a good old Thanksgiving deal, okay? But I want you to think about this. Paul was praying this. He was praying for people. Now, this is something I've really never thought too much about, honestly, until I saw that here and went back and started looking at Paul's pattern of prayer. And I've just thrown some, some up there. The first one is Romans 1.8. He said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. That's Romans 1.8. First. That's the first thing it is. And here in this, in this chapter, we'll read it in just a bit, in Ephesians 1, he said that he didn't cease to, to give thanks for the believers at, at, at Ephesus. In other words, I never stopped thanking God for you. I just thank God for you. Every time I pray for you, I'm thanking God for you. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? All right, in Colossians, he simply said, We give thanks to God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, praying, and he always for you. So, 2 Thessalonians 2.13, But we are bound, that's a strong word, we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Bound to. Now, these are strong words. These are strong statements coming from Paul. Okay? 1 Timothy 2.1, this is very interesting. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So Paul was always thankful for the people he was in relationship with. Okay? In other words, Paul did not take those people for granted. Now, in that movie, I'm going to go back to that movie, Bruce Almighty, the most important person in Bruce's life was this woman that he totally took for granted. One of the scenes in the movie was this. He had manipulated his way around, used the power of God to get the job he wanted, and he took this lady out to this restaurant, and her thinking that he was going to engage, ask her to marry her, he gets over and gets on his knees in this moment, that she, this romantic moment. Here I'm fixing to be asking this man that I love and I want to marry, he's going to ask me, and he says, I got the job. 
You see what I'm saying? She thought she was going to get asked to be married, and he had all this job thing on his mind. And, of course, she was very up began the end of their relationship. And I think what, I, what I'm seeing, what I'm really learning, and that really helps me a lot, is, is being thankful for people. Not just thankful. Well, thank you, Lord, for dying for me. Amen. Thank you, Lord, you know, for my children. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for, for provision. Thank you, Lord, you know, for whatever. But, Lord, thank you for these people that I have relationship with. Because this is what I'm learning. This is what I have seen in my life, that there's a grace release when we're thankful for those who we're in relationship with. And it'll protect us in that area because this is a place where the enemy will attack attacks the church constantly in the area of relationships. It's like someone recently said, if you study the Ten Commandments, two of them are about God and the rest of them are about dealing with each other. And if you, 80% of the problems in the church are relational problems. And that's the truth. I wish if you could come and be a pastor for a week and find out the stuff you deal with. It's, it's people being mad at each other. It's people treating each other wrong. It's in, being inconsiderate. It's people doing stuff to each other they should not do. And that's the truth. The church is full of it. And I think it's because we're not thankful for each other. Because I think the thankfulness releases something, a grace from God to protect us, to shut that door where the enemy wants to get into us. And Paul knew that. He knew that this, there's something in being thankful for these people. And I, you know, I know just being a human being, you get frustrated with people. And I've learned, learning, being thankful for these people in this church has helped me with them. It's helped me to love people that I didn't necessarily feel a whole lot of love for. You understand what I'm saying? Because relationships really are a target of the enemy. Because Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. It will be destroyed. A marriage can't stand if the relationship's divided. And thankfulness is a very much a very key spiritual thing. Amen? Let's move on. Y'all got serious looks on you. The spirit of wisdom. Well, I better read that. I ain't read you. I'm sorry. Uh, let's just read it right quick. Um, this first is Ephesians chapter 1. Chapter, where am I at? Here it is. I was looking at chapter 2. Verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power so on and so forth. And all that's, that's cool. So the, second, the first one was thankfulness. The second was the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now this is important. There's a difference between praying for wisdom and revelation and praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Huge difference. Huge difference. And this is the difference. Pray for wisdom. Pray for revelation. It's like asking for a cup of water. I'm thirsty. I need wisdom for this situation, Lord. Well, here's your cup of water. Here's your cup of wisdom. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You're asking for the river to flow in you. You're asking for something to constantly flow in you, something to be flowing in you all the time. No matter what you're doing, there's this revelation and wisdom flowing in your heart, flowing in your life, being released to you. In other words, when you go into a situation, you can trust and believe there's this flow in you because you have really been seeking God for this flow, this spirit 
of wisdom and revelation. I think it's really important. It, it, it makes a difference. Yeah, it really is. And also that wisdom and revelation are linked together, I think, is really a key. Okay? Real important because a lot of people receive revelation. I'm telling you that right now. A lot of people get revelation. Some don't even know it. No, they're getting revelation. They'll tell you stuff and you think, man, they're prophetic and they don't even know it. I'll tell you what happened. This is crazy. This is a young lady that Grace knows who's as Baptist as a day is long, who has had three dreams about her friends getting engaged. And every time she'd have a dream, within a couple of days, her friends would get engaged. And Grace said, if this happens, you are prophetic, and you need to just settle that issue in your life. Somebody who don't even believe necessarily in prophetic. You know? See, a lot of people are getting it. God's releasing it. He said He was going to pour out His Spirit on everybody. You know, Baptists and everything. We're all going to get it. Um, but the wisdom... She got, yeah, she nailed old Grace on it, man. I heard about that. I thought, man, what's wrong with her? I'm dead. <laughs> we don't have the wisdom to understand and apply it. I've been thrown off so many times by somebody saying something, giving some revelation, and then their interpretation of it was just absolutely so wrong. But you couldn't deny the word being from God. It's just we lack the wisdom to understand and apply it. And we've got to have both together. Because it doesn't do any good for me to have some great revelation, but I can't live it out. I can't apply it to my life. I can't apply it to the situation. And that doesn't mean it's going to all happen at the simultaneously. You may have to breathe before the Lord to get that spirit of wisdom released on you. But we need both. They're absolutely essential together. And I think in the days of ahead, God may show people great things. Oh, I see this coming. I see that coming. Duh, what am I supposed to do about it? You know, because we are going to get real here one day where we're going to need to know, look into the spiritual realm to see what's happening to be able to make decisions, practical decisions. Like, should I invest in this? Should I do this? Should I do that? And we're going to need the wisdom of God to answer, to understand what we're seeing. Amen? So that's the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ, it goes on. Okay? 1 Kings 3, 9, everybody remembers old Solomon, his great prayer. This is something we def desperately need. Uh, Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. I may be able to tell what's right and what's wrong for who is able to judge this great people of yours. And I think one of the great needs of the church is to discern what is of God and what is of the world and what is of the flesh and what is of the devil. Is we're lacking in that area. We are lacking in that area. And here's what I'm also learning. I'm learning that my mouth speaks things that ain't God. And it creates instability in the people when you do that to them. You hear what I'm saying? We need to be able to, when we hear something, is that God speaking to me or is that Byron speaking to me? If it's just Byron, well, thank you, Byron, I love you. Lord bless you, but I ain't listening to what you're saying because it's not God. We need to be able to discern that, to be able to hear it, to know it. That was God speaking. That was Byron speaking. There's a difference. Trust me. Huge difference. We all know that. I believe many times we unknowingly lead each other astray by speaking out of our flesh. Now, I've seen that. I've done that. I've had it done to me. Sincere words... But words not born of the Spirit create instability in our lives. Sincere words, 
Things we could say to somebody trying to be good, trying to encourage them, trying to say nice things. And if they receive them, it is not going to help them. It's going to create instability in their lives. That's why we need to have this knowledge of Christ. Knowing that was Jesus talking. I heard Him. I heard Him. That was His voice in that. Y'all got that? In the knowledge of Christ. All right, the next one, the eyes of my understanding being enlightened. Something out there. All right, turn over to Romans 121. Something's out there messing with this thing. It's, it's got to be. Romans 121. I want to read that to you right quick. Are y'all good out there? Romans, here's what, how to tell when you shouldn't be preaching. When you're sitting here and you're seeing everything everybody's doing, and, every, and you're reading into whatever they're doing, like, oh, man, they're bored. They hate this. It's like, mm, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> but God gives you a glazed look where you don't see stuff. Yeah. Romans 121. Now, this is talking about people who absolutely don't know God or have rejected God, but it happened. This, can, this applies on some levels to us. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. So there's thankfulness. But became futile in their thoughts. Futile in their thoughts. Okay? And their foolish hearts were darkened. Futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's pretty strong there. Uh, now, listen to this. The, the eyes of my understanding being open. That's what Paul writes. Some, some uh, things use the eyes of my heart. Actually, if you go back and study this thing, get real technical, you find that there's two different manuscripts, and one of them has heart, one of them has understanding. They're different. But it means the same thing, because our soul... This is talking about our soul, okay? Our soul has to do with our thoughts and reasoning, ability, right? That's what your soul is. And it has to do with our heart. The part of us that feels, the part of us that has passion and desires. That's what your soul's made up. So your soul, in a real sense, is made up of both your heart and your mind. Are y'all with me on that? And here Paul is saying uh, that, you know, their hearts, they became futile in their thinking. Their reasoning became futile, okay? And their hearts became foolish and were darkened. He's talking about the, the soul part of us, the inner part, not the innermost, not the, the spirit. So God made our thoughts and our hearts to work together. That's what He's really trying to connect. He's trying to get us connected that those two things work together. They don't, they're not separated. You can't, you can't really divide the soul realm. Now, this is important. I know it may not make no sense to you, but it really does when it's like when, when God was saying, Bruce, what's in your heart, man? You know, for him to be able to express what it was his heart, he needed his, 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 his uh, thinking to be able to express it, to be able to put words to what was in there. And that's what God wants. That's how it works together. Our, our reasoning, I think, it gives us the ability to communicate these feelings down inside of us. But the thing that Paul was saying, he was saying this to Christians, your soul, realm, your thinking needs enlightenment. Your heart needs light turned on to it. It really does. That's something we should pray. Lord, my mind needs to be renewed. It needs to be refreshed. It needs light. The light of God shone in it. Not just light to discover bad things, but the light of God to show me what's going on. Are y'all with me on that? Now let's go over to Ephesians. Go back to Ephesians 3. I'm, let me read this. See, I really believe what has happened to us in a lot of ways is we live... We're soulish. That's our problems. We're soulish. We're soulish Christians. 
We're soulish. So everything's about us, like Bruce was in that movie. Everything's surrounded by, this is what I want in my life. I want to be the anchor man. So I'm going to go and humiliate, cause the, the, the guy who got the job, I'm going to mess him up where he'll get humiliated. And I'm going to go out here and create things like they found Jimmy Hoffa's body. Okay, and he was just, oh, I just happen to be here. I'm going to make sure this dog digs up Jimmy Hoffa's body. I'm here. I got the exclusive. You know, that was the kind of stuff he was doing. It's crazy. But it was all about him, about what he, you know what I'm saying? It was focused on him. And that's what our soul will do unless it's enlightened. It will stay focused on, this is all about me. But this is, this is great. This is part of Paul's other prayer in uh, Ephesians 3.16. This is what he said, that he, being God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love. That thing that says to be strengthened with might through His Spirit and inner man, this is what it says. Strengthen means governed. To be governed by God's power in your soul. Paul was praying that you guys need to be governed by the power of God in your soul. He needs to be in charge. Okay? That Christ might dwell in your hearts. In other words, that Christ might be at home. Remember last week I talked about Don's word about home? That Christ would be at home there. In other words, he's not the, he, you're not the landlord. He is. He's the owner. And that's what's wrong with many of us. Jesus is only a guest there. Christianity will not work that way. You'll go to heaven. You're going to go to heaven. That's not the issue. I'm talking about victorious Christianity lived the way the Bible described it is a Christianity that Jesus is in charge in your soul. That's what the grace life is. That's why you get these people, you preach grace to them, and they well, I don't have to do nothing. I can go out and go to bars and act like a fool and all that because i got grace of God in my life. They don't really understand the grace of God would never do that. Because the Holy Spirit's holy. And you're going to act holy because He is holy. Because He's in charge in your soul. Your inner man, not your innermost man. You see why it's so important? You see why the soul realm... And Paul was focusing on these in both of these prayers. God's going to do something in your soul. God wants to be in charge of your soul. He wants to make the decisions. He wants to be the person who expresses the desires. What's the desires of your heart, Byron? What's really in there? Well, it better be Him in charge so His desires will come forth. It better not just be Byron Wicker's desires. I want to be the anchor man. And I'm going to use the power of God. I'm going to manipulate people. I want to be the, the leader. And I'm going to push other people down. I'm going to step on who I have to get to the top of the corporate ladder. That is not the way God designed us to live on any level. He wants to be in charge. And we identify with what He's saying. Because the Spirit of God comes into your spirit and He rises up through your soul and is manifested out 